Hello, and welcome to the Student Life Podcast, where we talk to various first-year college students and dive into their personal experiences at their respective schools. In the podcast, we cover the college application process, as well as some tips for any student going through it, the dorming and food situation, the campus and its facilities, academics, and finally, the social scene. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, well, if there are no further questions, Your Honor, um, we'll get started. I'll just take a sip of my coffee. All right. Well, hello to anyone that is listening. Welcome back to another episode of the Student Life Podcast. Um, my name is Jeffrey, and we have a really, really special friend of mine. Um, we met throughout middle school and high school, and she is currently a student at Stanford and is deciding between uh, psych major as well as poli sci. Um, but throughout middle school and high school, she was one of the sweetest, the most caring, um, very, very intelligent, as you can tell by the school that she is attending, and a really awesome girl that I, I had the, the opportunity to meet, um, and I'm very thankful for it. So, Miss Lindsay Tong, welcome to the, the episode. Um, is there anything else you would like to mention? Hi, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and thank you for taking your time out, and I know that uh, it was a little bit more difficult to find the time because she's so busy and she's uh, she's such a giver, though. We made it work, and then that's that's all that matters. But uh, the first thing we do talk about is the college application, and what were some of the things that you were looking for when applying to colleges, and what did that lead you to apply to? I was looking for um, basically whether or not I'd be able to, you know, stay in a college for like the next four years of my life, right? So I was looking for an environment where I feel like where I felt like I could thrive, and that there would be you know professors who would support me, that there would be enough like. Um, financial like backing so those were like my most important factors when choosing a college nice nice and what did that um, lead you to start applying to which schools so I kind of at first I was looking more at the liberal arts school so like Williams and Amherst and then I kind of considered Stanford last ironically because I did not even think about like going there in the first place just because like also it seemed to be more stem oriented so I didn't even think about going to Stanford until like a little bit afterwards. And I know that I know you personally and you were involved in some of the things on campus. Like you were always in a lot of AP classes and honors classes as well as um, the newspaper. What are some of the other involvements that you had uh, throughout high school? Sure, so I did Girls Who Code and this is ironic because I really never learned how to code beforehand. And so I just joined because my friend really thought it would be a good opportunity for me to like, you know, expose myself to like new like fields and so I basically began to like volunteer more for Girls Who Code and then through that I kind of just you know began to become more invested in the club and then I became president of the club eventually which was super cool. Uh, I learned a lot from that and I also did MUN so Model United Nations and this (laughs) yeah. The Golden Arrow you were a you were the editor in chief am I wrong or am I wrong? You are correct. Okay, okay, my bad. <laughs> what do you think some of the the most important um, involvements of high school that like went into your college application? What do you think kind of had the most importance? That's a tough question, honestly. I mean, obviously the high school newspaper, so the Golden Arrow, really played like a huge role in my life, just because like I really learned how to you know um, manage a team of people, interact with people who had different styles of working than me. And just like working all together to create like this product and making sure that it would um, 
be published on time. That was like a huge thing in my life. And also like learning new skills, such as like, you know, interviewing people, um, writing news articles, designing layouts. That was a huge thing in my life. Yeah. yeah nice. And I, I knew that you were really involved in it. I think all of the newspaper editions, like every week were, or not every week, but every month, right? Right. So every month and eventually we transitioned to like a quarterly magazine, which was kind of like a tough step to take. But yeah, I, th I remember they were being they were really awesome. And I knew how much time you guys spent. And what do you think is the most important part of the college application um, itself? Definitely the essay, because through that you kind of show how you are, how you think, how you view the world. And so you really want to let that shine through when you write your essays and show that you're not just like another application, I guess. If there was one single advice that you would give to somebody going through the application process right now, um, what would that tip be? This is kind of cliche, but definitely start your essays early. Make sure you have people look at them because otherwise, if you just try to tackle that essay alone, I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but you want to let someone who like knows you well look at the essay because you want them to like tell you if that essay reflects who you are. And I feel like that's super important. As a lot of people probably have Stanford as one of their, their dream schools, um, what do you think, and obviously you might not know this because you're not a college um, admissions counselor, but what do you think, what was one of the things that made you stand out from the rest of the other applicants? Because there are so many people that apply to these schools and a lot of them are really great candidates as well, but what do you think um, helped you a little bit more over some of the other people? I can't really say for myself just because, you know, even today, I'm not really sure what exactly made me, you know, be selected for this, like, fantastic school. Like, it's just, I feel like it's not something I can really, like, say with certainty. But I feel like I definitely, the fact that I applied through this program called QuestBridge really helps me out. And so what QuestBridge is, is basically it's an, like, it's an alternative application process for high achieving like low income students so that was one process that really helped me out what were some of the things that you thought about stanford before going there like some of your first impressions um before actually attending stanford so i visited the campus when i was a junior that was like my first time or not my was it my junior year i'm even forgetting sorry it might no be like winter quarter of senior year right it was winter quarter of senior year so that's just like when I first visited the campus and back then I didn't really get the whole like campus culture of it because it was like during like a really like cold I think January morning and stuff and so there weren't like a lot of students students out and about but I saw like the campus for myself for the first time the first impression I had I had of it was that it was like super huge and the funny thing is it didn't really like win me over until like I came a second time during admin weekend and that's when I really experienced like the student culture there and so the thing that really stood out to me was the thing called the band. And so the band is basically a bunch of people just like dressed in these wacky outfits, like banana costumes. And so they were all like, you know, like playing instruments. And there was like a, a fountain and it was like a super sunny day. And I just remember like that stood out to me as like kind of like the quirky culture of the place. And so it was really nice. What is, what is something that one can expect um, when going to the admitted day? Just like a lot of people there, obviously it's, and just people bubbling about like, I don't know, like upperclassmen, they're like willing to introduce you to like the different places. Um, are you talking about like the activities that you would 
typically do during like the end minute weekend? Yeah, some activities maybe or anything you really did during this this time. Thing is, it went by in such a blur. So like seeing the band was like a standout. Um, right. There was they had these like admin parties basically, and so it was hosted in the alumni center, and so you would just like connect with people and meet new people. And one thing I remember is actually I saw one of my friends from middle school. Ryan Long, yeah. Ryan Long, yep. <laughs> and um, also Lauren. So seeing a bunch of my friends from middle school like at the party, that was so surreal to me because I did not know that we would like maybe be possibly going to the same college. So that was really cool. And so what was the transition like moving from SoCal to the Bay Area? Um, some of like the difficulties and some of the, the problems that you might have had, if you had any, of course. Luckily, it was pretty similar, um, culturized, but the one thing is the weather. So at night here in the Bay Area, it gets so cold at night compared to the days. It's like very strange. Like you have to wear many layers and like, like layer up and then take it off when it gets hot and then put it back on when it gets cold again. So that's like the one thing. And like also it's been, let's see, it takes eight hours to get from here to Irvine, which is where I'm from. And so that's just one thing. Like I can't really like see my parents like just like very often because you can't exactly like drive like eight eight hours or like take a plane flight so that's one thing but like honestly other than that it's been fine um how often do you actually come back even though it's like the perfect it's like a good distance where it's not too far to drive but it's like so far that you actually make it a journey so how often i'm just kind of curious how often do you come back i'd say maybe twice a quarter so once for like you know um winter break, Thanksgiving break. Um, I missed going to see them over spring break because I was actually doing this trip. So I just um, went to see them a weekend. So that's oh, that's awesome. What, uh, what trip was this? It was called Alternative Spring Break. And what you do is you basically um, study like housing inequality in the Bay Area. So over spring break, I did that. And what was your, I guess, your first experience actually living there, actually dorming there and actually incorporating yourself within the, the school culture? It would be during NSO, so new student orientation. And then so we would just like all move in together. And then there was like a weekend full of orientation activities. And then there I first met my roommate who really played like a key part in helping me adjust. Like she's one of my best friends here today. So I'm so, so glad to like have her. And so basically, I think just like, you know, making friends with my roommate, which is not actually, it's kind of unusual, I guess, for us to be like so close. Because some roommates aren't as close, but I feel like I got very lucky with my roommate. So that was nice. Like, she helped me adjust more. It was definitely tough at first just because, like, especially during high school, I would spend a lot of time with my family. Like, some people would, like, hang out a lot with friends, right? I would spend, like, literally the majority of my time with my family. So it was a bit hard transitioning. But after a couple of months, like, you would, like, really learn how to, like, open up to people. And so that really helped me in, like, adjusting. Is the roommate selection thing a random process or is it uh, you can kind of choose or you can choose random? Mm, so it's the same for all incoming freshmen. So you fill out a form around like May when you get admitted and then you basically fill out like this form that has like your drug preferences, your alcohol, like are you open to alcohol? Um, do you, are you comfortable with like loud noises, music, taste, all that? And then so what they do is like these people, these two, I think there's around two people who are in charge of this. So they read through all the applications and they match you up with like a roommate by hand. Yeah. Well, that must be a really grueling process, actually. But 
Um, at least you ended up with a, a good roommate, and um, I'm guessing that you guys share a lot of, of the same preferences. Um, and so it's only one roommate, right? You only have one roommate? Mm-hmm. Only one roommate, yeah. Good, nice. nice. And looking at it, and obviously the people listening can't look at it, but it looks like you have a pretty spacious dorm. How would you describe like the layout of your dorm? Does it like uh, the two beds and two tables, and how really big is your, is your room? So, yeah, there's two beds, two tables, um, two closets. Most of the rooms in my – so freshman dorms are all two-room doubles usually. There's some singles, but those require, like, medical accommodations usually. And so um, my dorm is just, like, a single hallway, and there's three floors, and then there's, like, stairs connecting them. There's a lounge, which has, like, a pool table, a TV, all that. I'd say it's – so our room's actually pretty big compared to, like, the other rooms just because, like, we got lucky and we got, like, a corner room. So it's, like, a little bit bigger than the usual room, than the usual, like, two-room doubles. Or not two-room doubles, just doubles, yeah. That's pretty lucky that you guys got the corner room. <laughs> How much smaller is a regular room versus uh, one of the corner rooms? I'd say it's, like, a quarter, like, a quarter bit big. It's, like, a quarter bigger. So, like, basically just, like, a tiny bit bigger, but, like, just enough to, like, make a difference, I guess. And also, we have two windows compared to the other rooms, and there's also a balcony, which is super cool. You guys have a balcony? Yeah. What? <laughs> so, you can go out there and just be, like, chill out there and, like, read or something? Exactly. Oh, wait, so that's only for your room or other rooms, too? So, the other rooms with the balconies are the ones where the RAs live. And so, those, we got really lucky because we're not RAs and we got the balcony somehow. Yo, that is so dope. What the heck? <laughs> and then for the, the housing, and what's your actually specific um, housing name or like the, the dorm name? It's called Sadro. Sadro. Okay. And so you said that you live in the, or is it you that lives in the West or is it Ryan that lives in the West? Ryan lives in the West. And you live in the East. East. And so there's multiple freshman dorming halls in the East um, Wing or East Campus area. Mm-hmm. And so yours is one of them. And what are some of the other ones, like their specific names? And are you able to choose them um, when you are coming in as a freshman or is it random as well? Right. So on that form I was talking about, the roommate preference form, there's also a part where you rank um, all these different types of dorms in order. So there's freshman dorms, uh, four-year dorms, and then there's also cultural dorms. And I'm, I'm sure I'm missing out on something else. But yeah, those are the main three. And so basically on East Campus, all, the majority of the freshman dorms are there. And then some cultural houses like scattered in between both East and West. And then West Campus is known for it's like four-year dorms. So. Oh, interesting. Okay, so does that mean like many of the people in the West, um, West dorms are most likely going to stay there for four years in the same dorm? No. So what that means, four-year dorms means that it's like just all um, – different classes live there so sophomores freshmen seniors juniors oh god okay that makes that makes a little more sense and um how many people would you say are in each of these um dorming buildings so the thing about stanford is that their dorms vary so much so like the freshman dorms generally they tend to have like around like like 90 people but then the other types of dorms like they have like everything from like apartments to suites to these things called co-ops and self-ops and fraternity houses, um, cultural houses. So I can't really tell you like the, the size of those, but for freshman dorms, it's usually like 90 to 100 
and they're all in this part of East Campus. And so um, they're in halls called Wilbur and Stern. So I'm in Wilbur Hall right now. There's across the field, there is this hall called Stern Hall. Very nice. And do, I mean, you said that Ryan lives in the West, um, West area, but would you say the majority of the freshmen live in the freshmen or what percentage of the freshmen live in the freshman halls uh, versus uh, else other halls? I'm not sure, but I do know that some freshmen who wanted frosh dorms can't get into those. So I'm guessing it's in high demand. So not every freshman gets to live in all frosh dorms, even if they wanted to, I've heard. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like an overflow process where they have to kind of go somewhere else because uh, there's too many freshmen that want the freshman norms. Okay, so it's a pretty convenient place. And um, are there dining halls um, pretty close by to the freshman halls as well? Oh, yeah. So each hall has like its own dining. So Wilbur Hall has Wilbur Dining and Stern Hall has Stern Dining. And I'm sorry, I forgot to ask, but you said it was like a hallway style um, dorm where there's just rooms on the sides. What about the bathroom situation? Is it a communal bathroom or are there bathrooms between like each room? So there's bathrooms for each floor. So there's um, a men's bathroom and an all gender bathroom on our floor. On the third floor, I believe there's a women's bathroom and an all gender bathroom. And then on the first floor, same pattern, except there's three bathrooms on that. So it's communal, but for each floor. Oh, got it. And it does, it's separated into gender though. And then also there's the all gender ones, I guess. So you said that you mentioned that there are dining halls at the uh, um, bottom of each hall or nearby each hall. What it is, is like a bunch of freshman dorms, like around the area. And then in the middle of that area is where the dining hall typically is. So you would have to like go out of your dorm to go into the dining hall. Got it. And is it the... um, traditional like swipe system or is it um, loading in a certain amount of money onto one of these like cards and then you pay for each individual item? So I think Stanford has like a hybrid system where basically uh, the typical freshman usually has like 14 meals a week and so you can use that and then you swipe into the dining hall but then you also have this additional thing called cardinal dollars and what you do is like they're they're basically meal plan dollars and then you uh, use those for like outside like say like a burger restaurant that are on campus and then you can use those and then there's also this place called Munger Market where you could buy groceries with your meal plan dollars so it's super cool. Would you say the quality um, of food at Stanford is up to par or would you say it's um, debatably good I guess? (laughs) I think it's up to par personally especially considering you would have to you would be eating the same food for like I don't know like a couple of years. I haven't gotten tired of it yet but I know a lot of seniors do get tired of it, but I'd say comparatively, it's pretty darn good. Like they have, like, they try to like mix it up every once in a while with like different stations. Like they would have like a banana split station. Um, what are those buns called? It's like a Vietnamese bun station. So they have oh some- bun me bun me bun me yeah yeah yeah. They have those. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. It's very cultural actually. But for for a school to have bun me, that's awesome. I like that. Yeah, so it's super cool. It's pretty nice. What is the name of your, um, the dining hall near your area? Oh, Wilbur Dining. Oh, it's just, so there's Wilbur Dining and then Stern Dining. That's pretty much it? There's, okay, so that's for like the frosh dorms mainly. And then across the street, there is more of like the sophomore housing, sophomore oriented housing. And so there's Branner Dining and there's also Casper Quad Dining. Oh, so it seems like there's a lot of dining halls on uh, on Stanford's campus. Uh, there's more than there's definitely more than like nine, I believe. I'm not exactly sure. 
could get back to you on that, but I can listen if you want. I mean, I think that's okay, but that's a lot of, wow, and each (laughs) one of them, and you're able to go to every one of them, right, and use the swipe system kind of thing? Exactly. Wow, that is, that is amazing. In your personal preference, I guess, what hall, or what, uh, what dining hall has the best food? Do you think it's yours? Ooh, it really depends on the day. So here's the thing. Each dining hall has, like, different, like, specialties. So Flomo has, like, Indian food on Sundays, which is super good. Um, Ricker Dining has this thing called Death by Chocolate on Tuesdays. And so it's, like, a chocolate-themed, like, dessert station that they have with, like, steak. So, like, it depends on the day. <laughs> Dang. Okay, nice. And how far are the rest of them? Um, I guess they're scattered throughout the campus. But what's the furthest dining hall from where you are? Um, probably Ricker because you would have to bike like 15 minutes to get there, but 10, 10, 15, I'm not entirely sure. So, and you did mention some of the non-dining hall food areas, right? So you can go to the market or, um, these burger places. What are some of the other really good, uh, really popular places to eat, um, outside the dining halls? So there's this place called Tap and it's basically the accent bomb. And then they have like hamburgers and fries different like there's also some sushi there's also shakes boba that's super nice there's tap and there's koopa cafe where they sell like crepes and like different coffee and that's outside so it's like a place for people to like meet up and there's also coho so the coffee house Mm. oh like classic like panda express jamba juice nice nice and those are the ones that you use the cardinal dollars for right Right. Oh, don't quote me on that Cardinal Dollars thing. I'm not sure if it's named that, but it's meal plan dollars. I'm not sure. Yeah, that may, yeah it's, it makes sense. <laughs> and I've been able to actually um, see Stanford a few times. I don't really remember completely well what it, what it looked like. Um, but I remember there was the, or the really well-known, um, like, the structure that you always see on, on Stanford images. It's like, is it, is it a clock, clock house or something tower you're talking about hoover tower right hoover tower yeah what are some of the other cool like facilities and and scenic places on campus and talk a little bit about hoover tower as well yeah so hoover tower is just like this huge tower basically and there's there's a clock in there there's like bells and so it's just like an icon basically so when you walk through main quad you always see it and it's just like there that i am like reminded oh i go here like i should be like and then i remember like how like great flag I should be I guess so that's one thing there's also other places like memorial church and so it's basically like a church in the middle of main quad and that's like where a lot of like the ceremonies happen and it's really um glittery and gold so there's that there's white plaza so in white plaza that's where a lot of the uh, community like gathers and then, so it's just like an outside, outdoors place. And then there's also like a fountain in the middle called the Claw. And then it's across from the bookstore. So there's that. Um, I mean, some other like really random facts, I guess, like they're in the gym. So there's two gyms. It's called Niranaga and Fariaga and Stanford Lingo. So Fariaga has like a swimming pool and a climbing wall, which I find super cool. And you had mentioned that for the furthest place on campus, it's like a 15-minute bike ride. So, And you said that the first thing you really realized about Stanford, that it was so huge. How long does it take to walk from one side 
to the other um, in terms of just like horizontal distance, I guess, or, or diagonal distance? It would de it depends on what you define as like the edge because like Stanford has a lot of like outside like land. So if you're talking about that, it's probably gonna take you like, I don't know, like 50 minutes, I'm not sure. They even have like a farm, so. <laughs> Wait, what? Stanford has a farm? That's pretty, I guess that's cool. <laughs> yeah, random. Um, but like if we're talking about like, let's say like Frosico, which is like the furthest dorm, I guess, on West Campus, and then you go all the way to, I don't know, the Alumni Center. It would definitely take you like 25 minutes or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. Like I'm very bad at like remembering how much <laughs> exactly, but it should take you like quite a bit. I know. Yeah. Um, and to someone that doesn't know how the campus is laid out, how would you describe it? Would you say, cause you said it's like East and West. Um, so is it kind of just like a square or like a rectangle kind of thing or how is everything placed um, in like a bird's eye view uh, for, to say? I can't imagine it just from like a bird's eye view. I'm okay. Well, I guess there's main quad. So that's like a rectangle, a square. Uh -huh. And then to the, to the east of it would be East Campus. And then Hoover Tower would be like on your way to East Campus. And then there's West Campus to the west of Main Quad. So if you like orient, orient everything around the Main Quad, then it all makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so that would, that would make sense if it's Main Campus and then the east and the west, I guess. But is there anything like um, north and south of um, Main Campus? Yeah, so north would be the oval. So it's just like a huge like drive through and a grass field. Right. Yeah. And then the chemistry buildings are on the side of that. And there's also the Cantor Art Center, which is like the museum on campus. And then on let's see, the right side of the oval, there is the amphitheater. So there's that. And then if you go south, that's where like White Plaza is. And then if you go further south, that's where all like the frat houses and the sorority houses are, which is called the row. And that's where a lot of the parties happen. That grass field that you were talking about, like near the oval, um, every time I've been there, um, there's always people just like sitting there reading or just kind of playing some sports and stuff, which is um, a really cool aspect I wish that more schools had because it's a very lax area. You kind of just go there and just, just hang out and chill and kind of take a break from a lot of the college stress. Have you had the chance to like just sit there and just chill or do you ever go there to, to do homework or anything? I've definitely sat there and chilled. I think my friend especially likes it. He basically goes there like to exercise and like just like stare at the stars at like night, which is super nice. Um, for me personally, I think I should take more time to like go and study there because it's a beautiful place, like you said. If there was one place that you would take someone on a tour, where would that be on campus? Oh, definitely main quad, just because it's like, that's like the classic like Stanford look, I guess. And then it's like very well maintained and it's kind of like the historical part of campus. Yeah. And from the freshman dorm where, where, where you live, how far is your classes? Because it does seem like it's a pretty large and spacious campus. Um, but just relative to, to your classes, how far is the walk every morning or every time you go? So most people bike here. So in terms of like a bike ride, I would say if you really rush, which I've had to do sometimes, it would be from my dorm to main quad it would be around like five minutes around okay yeah that's not that's not too terrible yeah and are most of the buildings pretty new because i think if i remember correctly a lot of them are pretty gigantic and they're 
older styled um, buildings, but I think a lot of the stuff inside of it is pretty renovated. Um, but I guess I don't have a good perspective as you do, but like, well, how would you describe it, I guess? I think the buildings are pretty well-maintained. Um, also, like, in terms of, like, how old it looks, definitely it, just because, like, I went to the East Coast and, like, visited some colleges there, there they have a much more, like, historical vibe to them. Stanford gives off, especially the engineering building, it gives off a much more, like, like sleek vibe, I guess, more modern, while East Coast has, like, more of a historical vibe. So um, compared to those schools, you know, I think Stanford is, like, very, like, ordinary not ordinary i mean like more contemporary maybe contemporary exactly yeah talking a little bit about the off campus do a lot of people go off campus to go either just to go you know do what they want to do it really depends on the person but i'd say in general stanford is kind of like a bubble because everything you need is basically there so maybe some people go off campus to like visit san francisco but that'd be maybe like once a month definitely not something you can do every weekend just because it takes like uh, like a couple of hours just to make the ride back and forth so there's that some people might go off campus to like eat in Palo Alto but then again Palo Alto is not really a college town so most people end up staying on campus in my experience unless you want to like go to okay. a specific place yeah yeah does Stanford offer any transportation services to go outside of campus at all they offer zip cars, so that's been kind of helpful but that's still like you have to pay on your own they also have this free shuttle and so that's pretty nice. Um, you can it goes as far as I believe the nearest target, so that's useful. And there's obviously like the Caltrain that you can take, but that still takes it's a bit far away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so you said that not a lot of um, students kind of go off campus in, in your perspective, but do any students or do do some students have cars there that? Um, they like kind of commute back and forth or do most of the people stay on campus like even in terms of housing i would say like 90 i, I mean i might be overseeing this but 99 percent of people like live on campus especially like the undergraduate students because like you're guaranteed housing and so like i believe like most of the people who commute back and forth are the graduate students and so that's one thing um what was i gonna say <laughs> oh right. Freshmen cannot have cars on campus. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so I mean, I guess that stops you from, you know, being able to drive at all. <laughs> but um, do like some at least second years and third years have cars or do you just like the majority of them do not have cars? I'm not entirely sure, but I think a lot of them don't have cars. But a couple do. And for those, they have to like, you know, get like a parking permit. And there's like actually not a lot of parking as you'd expect for like how big it is. But yeah. And one thing that is really unique about Stanford is that it is in the Bay Area, really close to uh, Silicon Valley and Palo Alto, which has a lot of, I guess, technological growth and development going on there. How does that, how have you seen that affect um, students either on campus or just kind of the school in general? Because I know a lot of students, or I know a lot of companies that hire, that are in the Bay Area or in the um, Silicon Valley that hire out of Stanford. Right. So a lot of people here are very, very interested in Silicon Valley. And it really shows through like the majors that they choose. So like computer science is definitely one of our most popular majors here. So I think I was, I was reading it up on the website, but around like two people were like classics majors, which 
isn't a common thing here. And so, like, humanities is not as popular here at Stanford compared to, like, computer science or, like, engineering, which is, which makes sense because given the proximity of the place. So that's one thing. Um, in terms of, like, the job opportunities, a lot of the emails I tend to get are definitely oriented towards, you know, the Bay Area companies. So technology co companies. And so if you go to, like, say, a job fair, a lot of them will be technology companies. But that's not to, like, say that there aren't any, you know, opportunities for, like, humanities majors. It's just, like, it tends to be, like, more geared towards it in general due to the proximity. So. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes kind of the most sense, I guess. That's just kind of natural. <laughs> um, but I guess talking about some of the academics is kind of the important reason why, you know, you're at school and everyone goes to college. Um, what uh, And you guys are a quarter system, like you mentioned before, right? Right. And um, what classes did you take your first and second in, in your current quarter right now? So my first quarter year, I took it kind of light. So I took 13 units of work. And so seven of these units were for a class called ESF, so Education and Self-Fashioning. So what that is, is it, it's on... Uh, Sorry, it essentially like takes away like the freshman requirements of um, power, which is your essay writing class, and then your think class, which is a general education requirement kind of. So ESF like knocks both of those requirements out. And so I did that, so ESF. And then the five unit class I took was for CS106A, just like the quintessential like Stanford class. And so it was interesting taking computer science here for the first time. I did that, and then I think I also took a one-unit class on adjusting to college. <laughs> and did you think that it was pretty helpful for you? I mean, it was like, what was more helpful than the actual class itself were like the people I met there, which was super cool. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. And um, I think a lot of people come into college with a misconception um, that like, because a lot of people, like the average um, units a person usually takes is like around 16. Would, would you agree with that kind of number? Yeah. But I think going in for your first quarter, I think it is a good idea to take a smaller amount of units because you can really get adjusted to the school and assimilate to it. And you never really know what's going to happen. And so taking it a little bit easier on the academics, um, I wish I did that, I guess, my first quarter because I was pledging as well. Not fun to have 16 units in pledge. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And I especially taking a class that is geared towards kind of letting you integrate into the school. And I think that was probably pretty helpful. Um, but what classes did you take uh, your second quarter and what are you taking now? So my second quarter, I took around 18 units, I believe. So That's a big jump. A big jump, yeah. I mean, they, they did say that adjusting would take like maybe like five units worth of work. So I just like kept that in mind. So I was like taking it lighter in my first quarter. So for my second quarter, I took history 106A or 106B. And so it's like history of like the Americas and also Europe. So I did that. And then I also took a five unit class on this poli-sci class called the ethics of elections. And then I took another five unit class on public policy 101. Right. I also took a one unit class for my journal that I edit for, which is called um, science, technology, and society. Oh my gosh, that sounds, we're gonna, we'll get into that too, because that sounds really awesome. I really wanted to talk about that. And I love that you're taking that, what you kind of did in high school and you're still continuing it. That's really awesome. Um, 
But what classes are you taking currently? And so for this quarter, I'm taking 15 units. So what I'm taking is I'm taking psychology one. So like an intro to psych class. And I'm also taking a five unit class on statistics for social sciences. And I'm taking a three unit intro sum. So what those are is they're basically smaller classes geared for the freshmen and sophomores. And you like interact with the faculty more, which is super nice. Um, so that interest them is for history 14N. And so that's the medieval ages oriented one. And I'm also taking a one unit class on tennis. So that's nice. Ooh, wait. So is it like the study of tennis or you're actually playing tennis? Oh, it's a PE class. So you're playing tennis. What? That's so awesome. They offer a credit for it. That's so cool. <laughs> are you Are you enjoying it? Do you like tennis? I really... Well, I mean, my backhand's terrible right now, so I'm working on that. But I'm, like, learning from, like, an actual, like, you know, coach, which is super cool. And, yeah, I think it's just, like, a useful, like, skill to have. So I was like, why not? And they also offer, like, a ton of other PE classes. Like, the most popular, like, PE class, I'd say, is social dancing. And those fill up super fast. So I actually took it last quarter, but I had to drop it because of, like, sections. But so what you do is, like, you learn waltz. Um, some other different styles of dances for the ballroom. That is really cool, actually. And that's an awesome opportunity. And that is such a kind of Stanford thing to do, though, like to learn how to <laughs> and be, make it popular for that. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, but um, actually, how have your classes gone in terms of like, um, actually, first of all, like how big are some of the classes that, um, that you've taken in that you're in right now? They really vary. So my CS106A class had around, I believe, like 300 to 400 students. So it really depends. So that one, they would make it lecture style, and then they would have much, much smaller like sections where you interact with the TA more. So you've got that. And then like my history interest some class has around like 15 people around that. Um, so you get more like personal interaction with the teachers and then the same goes for my ESF class, it was smaller. Um, my history class was also smaller. So like, if you see like the trend here, like a lot of like the humanities classes tend to be like smaller in size compared to like the STEM classes. How have your, the interaction with your teacher gone? Like, do you think they're pretty good? I mean, I would expect them to be pretty good, but like from your um, kind of experience, how good are they, the quality of the teachers, I guess? The thing about like the teachers here for, especially like the STEM classes I've realized is that they tend to like focus a lot more on the concepts rather than solving the problems out yourself. So that's like been one challenge, like they'll teach you the concept of it and they're very good at teaching that conceptual part of it. It's just like, we simply don't have enough time, I guess, to go for like the actual, oh, how do you solve this problem? So in high school, I was very used to that because you know, like the teachers would take the time to like go through like, you know, problems in math class, but you don't find that to be a thing here as often. So that's one thing, but otherwise the teachers are very, approachable considering like you know they might be like Nobel laureates or whatever so that's one thing like also another problem I've been seeing is that like a lot of the teachers do focus more on like the research like the professors so that's one thing the quarter system is actually supposed to be more for like the professors to do their research I've heard rather than like you know teaching students. yeah exactly um, are, 
I guess in, in terms of that, are a lot of teachers pretty willing to help though? Like, do they have office hours that are pretty convenient? And um, when you go there, do you have to wait often or can you just kind of automatically go in and they're not really that busy? Oh, they're definitely available. So they do have office hours and there's never like a huge line. Um, oh, except for CS 106A. So what that was, was like, they had like this thing called the lair, like a lair. <laughs> like a cave um, <laughs> like batman's lair <laughs> exactly and so it would occur every like let's see like four days a week and what they would do is they would have like people literally like sign up on this computer and then you have to like wait like i don't know like sometimes it would take like an hour if it's like before a big assignment's due so a bunch of like tas would be there like rotating around all these different people to like help them out so like there i've had to wait like maybe a couple of hours once yeah wow okay and that's um you called it the layer right and so that's kind of a program that stanford has in place to help students um are there any other like tutoring programs or mentorship in the academic field kind of programs that stanford has or is um that one of the main ones yeah so there's this place called the hume center and they help coach you for like your writing like your essays they'll look over it so you can set up like you can book 30 minute appointments with them and there's also one for like speech so say like power two is one of your sophomore year requirements where you basically have to like do an oral presentation and so for that they'll help you out with like your presentation skills so there's different like um places to help you out with like your essays and stuff and there's also i think vptl is what it's called that's where you can get tutored for like certain subjects seems like there are an abundance of programs that can help um, students and I think that is really important especially at a school so rigorous um, in the academic aspect I guess. Um, how academically difficult is it for you so far? Academically it's surprisingly not students. a huge um, leap from my high school experience just because I felt like you know taking all those like AP classes that kind of like prepared me to like and understand how to look through like material and like skim out like the important parts and stuff like that so I mean if you work hard I guess it's like it's definitely doable to like get an A for sure I mean I was worried like coming here that I wouldn't be able to like keep up with the coursework it's been fine so far it's just like you gotta like manage your time efficiently and all that um in terms of like the competitiveness of the students it's a bit hard to like generalize obviously but there's definitely not any of like that, like, I don't know, like you wouldn't have a student, for example, like spit in like someone's like litmus test or something to in a chemistry lab. Like I've heard horror stories. I don't think that happens as much here. But I mean, because everyone is so like accomplished, naturally you do feel like you gotta like keep up somehow. And so like people like work pretty darn hard. But then it's never like, oh, like I'll sabotage someone for it, I think, because like, yeah, curved and all that. So. so that's good to hear, because in terms of like the classes, how do you pick out your classes? Um, is it like at the beginning of the year, you kind of just select your classes or, or do they have a pre-made course set up for you? Every quarter for you got like two weeks, I guess, or, or so to like pick out your classes. And what you do is like. Uh, you go on the course enrollment page and then you can pick out your classes based on your schedules. And so a lot of them don't fill up too fast. There's usually enough room. 
except for like you know social dancing or like the really really popular popular classes that aren't like necessarily like a requirement academically so it's pretty like easy to sign up you just sign up online there's this website called carta that we all use and then they have like student reviews of each class so that's pretty nice what is the earliest class offered like what time Ooh, okay so some of the pe classes start at eight in the morning but generally the academic classes the earliest one ones are at 9 30 in the morning but i guess the kind of the last topic that we, we do talk about um is the organizations and social life at stanford you had mentioned that you are in some of the some organizations as well as the um the newspaper or the the editing um thing that you were talking about the science and technology editing thing did you want to talk a little bit about some of the other organizations and as well as the one that you are currently in sure so at, right now i'm in the intersect which is the journal i was talking about for science technology and society and so i just like you know read through journals and like edit them um so submissions and then put them into like a journal so i do that and they also do the stanford global development association so what that is is like it develop it focuses on like you know parts of the developing world and so i'm part i'm a part of the human rights committee and so we host like coffee talks with like local human rights organizations and different we explore different aspects of like human rights around the world like technology and human rights so i'm currently a part of that i am also a research assistant for the law school and so what i do for that is i basically uh, code for this data set so coding as in like you label different cases a certain like oh like say like this case is between like these two companies i research more about that specific company that like started the case and then basically label them as like a practicing entity so do they actually like sell products or are they like say i don't know like a patent troll which is like basically a company that does not actually sell products or do anything they just like monetize their patents so what i do is like i label those cases and label the companies on a data set so it's not like computer coding it's like coding as a data sets gosh and how much time do um these organizations take up so for the intersect it takes up maybe like one and a half hours a week so just like during the weekends we meet sgda that takes up, it really varies, like uh, two hours a week. And for the research assistant job I'm doing, that's very flexible. So any, anywhere from like two to like four hours a week. It's not too bad. I love that you are really getting into something that you're really interested about. And it's like all of the organizations that you are kind of involved in really surround your major and really show that you this is what you want to do and and i think that's so awesome and being able to like research like that is so cool and working at a law firm and everything uh, and writing just being able to write for a freaking like newspaper i think that is so awesome and are you interested in joining any other organizations or are you kind of uh, complacent with the three that you're in right now i mean i'm definitely trying to like you know scope out like different organizations like if for like psych maybe i might join like the student like psychology association or whatever stuff like that yeah i've just been looking out for like different things just because like there's so many organizations and it's like a pity if you like kind of like you know miss out on something that could be like a cool opportunity to like you know make a difference so actually there is one more organization that i'm currently working for which is called matriculate 
And so like you're basically mentoring these like low income, high achieving students. And so I'm getting started with that. So. Nice. Is that like um, high school students or like kids in the surrounding area or who do you mentor? Just like people, like students in the U.S., like it's remote, like telementoring. So like it doesn't really matter. You don't have to like actually meet up with them in person. Just like providing them advice on their college applications after you like get trained for that. So. Wow, look at that. Everyone, whoever's listening, look at that. So, such a giver. Come on, give it up for it. <laughs> um, wait, so do you have like specific um, mentees that you work with like on a weekly basis or is it kind of change up every time you, you do this program, I guess? So it's like you get four, up to four mentees. I think I haven't, I haven't started yet. So it's, I'm still training for it. And then so I'll start like maybe like in a couple of months. And so you got up to four mentees, you work with them throughout the summer, throughout like the fall when it's like super crucial for their like college applications. So they're all like high school seniors. They're going to be high school seniors. That's what I love that. I love that being able to give back and especially to people that have been in your shoes. Um, I think that's really important. And um, I'm glad you know that's awesome. Um, But what about like the social life there? I'm not really sure how involved you might be in it. Um, but I guess just like a generalization, how is the social life there? And uh, you guys mentioned that you guys have a basically the Greek houses, the Greek um, system, and it's like on the road, but a little bit more about like the social life, I guess. Yeah, so here I feel like it's whatever you make of it. So if you don't want to go out and party, there's, I don't know, like you can play board games in the lounge or like, you know, watch Netflix and like just in your room. Hmm. Or just like hang out with friends, go out to like San Francisco for a weekend. So there's those alternatives. And they also have this program called Cardinal Nights where they basically like fund your activities. Like they'll like, you know, one day they might, one Friday night, they might have like an Avengers screening where they'll take you with like free transportation to like Redwood City. And you get to like go to those events if you want. And then there's also a party scene, you know. Like, at the row, they have, like, themed parties, and those are usually open to, like, all campus. It's not closed off to, like, just sororities or fraternity members. And so those are pretty um, campus-wide. Like, for example, like, yesterday, we had, like, three events going on. There was, like, this um, frat winner, so lunch dinner. It's, like, a, it's, like, called darties, so basically day parties. And so it's, like, they have day parties now during the spring. Um, there was also Lil Yachty. Do you know Lil Yachty? Yeah, yeah. I do indeed, yeah. <laughs> so he came over to perform at this free event called Blackfest. And so it's like, it was like a festival outside of our field, I guess. So there's many events that go on, like different like kinds of events. So it's pretty nice. Nice. That's so cool, though. You guys, wait, was this yesterday that Lil Yachty came or a while yes. ago? Yeah. Did you go out to see him? I was about to, and then I just did not manage my time. So I was, I did not go. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And are you kind of like into the party scene? Do you like go to the like darties and stuff or not really? I'm kind of into it just because like some of my friends go and like, so I'm like, okay, yeah, why not? Let's, let's all go and have fun. Yeah, I mean, I didn't rush just because like I wasn't ready for it, I guess. And so rush happens during the spring. And I, it just caught me at, like, a time where I was, like, very, like, busy and stuff. But I might rush next year, depending on whether or not, like, you know, things work out. And, like, if I feel like I vibe with the scene. So, that's one thing. Do you guys have, like, a lot of um, professional fraternities as well? 
Oh, yeah, there is a couple. I would say, like, actually, it's probably not, like, a huge thing here compared to, like, the UCs. Like, the UCs seem to have, like, this huge, like, fraternity, like, business, like, fraternity scene. Am I right? Not. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, the, yeah, a lot of the UCs have, it's, like, pretty, pretty big, I guess. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm in a business one. I don't, I don't know about other class or other schools, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have AKSI there? Yeah, so, okay, so we have, like, um, the, you know, like, the non, what, I don't know how to, well, I don't know how to phrase it. So there's the inner sorority council ones, like, you know. The Panhellenic ones, yeah. Kappa, Theta, and all that. And then there's, like, the more, like, ethnic ones, so, like. AGCs? AGCs? AGCs, is that what it's called? Yeah. It's, like, the, the, the Asian ones, the Asian sororities and fraternities. Okay. So there's that, like Lambda. Yeah, Sigma and stuff like that. Okay. And then there's like the business ones, and there's also a chemistry one apparently. Is the Greek um, Greek like they're pretty big? Because it sounds like they're they're pretty big, like relative to other fraternities and sororities. It's not. I I remember like the percentage being around like fifteen to twenty percent of campuses involved in Greek life. So it's not like a huge thing at all. It's like. Like it's there. It's definitely a presence, but it's not like huge. I'd say. Dude, that'd be kind of cool if you if you join a sorority. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Chong, a sorority girl. That'd be cool. <laughs> There's a few ending questions, if that's okay. What does a day in the life of Miss Lindsay Chong, Stanford students, look like? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, for this quarter at least, I wake up. I go to class at nine thirty. So stats, and then after that, I might like either go to like tennis which is for the class, or psych. And then after that, it's like around like 12, and then I just eat lunch. Um, take a nap afterwards. Maybe You go always got to take a nap. <laughs> you time for your naps. Um, you know, just like go to another class or like work on some homework. And then like nighttime is usually when like a lot of like people, when the dorm like comes to life, I guess. And then so people like either like go out and party or they, like, I don't know, do something fun with their friends or just like chill and eat dinner and then like work on some more work. I mean, I really, so far, like, I think I've really just enjoyed spending time with like my friends in the dorm. Like they're, we're really tight. And so like, we do like really like random things, like mess around in the dorm and just like, I don't know, like, once I've, like, ridden a bike down, I've rode a bike down the hallway. Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know, but stuff like that. That's cute. That's awesome. That's wholesome. Very wholesome stuff. Um, and what is one memorable experience? And it doesn't have to be a specific one, um, but one memorable experience that really makes you proud um, to be at Stanford. Gosh, there's so many things that happen. Just so many things. I mean, there's been like midnight runs where you run with the band. So all the freshmen like were taken out of the dorm at like 10 at night. And then we just like ran with the band playing super loud music. And then you can like see the stars. So that was nice. There's so many things that happen. I just, it's like a, it's like a blur, but like, I just, gosh, it's a big question. How do you think that you've changed from going to Stanford? So like back in Irvine to where you are currently? Yeah, so I think I've changed quite a bit in like how open I've gotten just because like back in high school, I guess I was like very, very like 
focused on like getting results from like my schoolwork and all that and I didn't really like have time to breathe if that makes sense and so I think like just like coming here and like kind of like doing more things almost it's almost like you know my schoolwork isn't dictating my life I mean obviously I'm still like trying to like you know work hard for these like different classes and all that but it's just like I've been focusing on like developing myself as a person more and so like you know opening up to people more I feel like in terms of who I am as a person I've like learned to think about that more yeah and also being exposed to like very different types of people here in my dorm there's so many people with like different life experiences like it's crazy and then just like learning from that I feel like has really changed me and having more freedom in general. And the last question is to kind of a prospective student or someone trying to apply, what would you just kind of lay out as the pros and cons of going to Stanford? I'll start off with the cons here, I guess. The cons, like if you're, let's see, if you're not a STEM student, that might be like, it might be like, oh, a lot of them are very like the opportunities and just like the classes, a lot of people tend STEM. That's one thing to consider when you like come here. Another thing is just like the area, like it's a bubble, like there's not really like a college town here. So that's one thing. Ooh, also like mental health, like it's any like school where it's like kind of, you know, academically like very rigorous. I feel like, you know, you're going to have like people who struggle with that. And so, like, make sure that, you know, you, keep, you take care of, like, your mental health if you come here. So those are, those are kind of, like, the cons. For the pros, I'd say, you know, like, there's so many opportunities here when you come here. It's crazy, like, different people from, like, different fields coming into, and they offer, like, resources. There's so many research opportunities here, like, you can get involved with as a freshman, which is super cool. And so, like, you know you can get started in, like, research, like, right away, like, maybe two months, which is, like, after you come in here, which is, like, what I did, so that's cool, and just, like, the campus is beautiful, yeah, and also financial aid is, if you qualify for it, it's very, like, you know, they provide you with the money that you need and the resources, so, yeah, those are my pros. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking your time out of your very, very busy day, you um, overachiever. But yeah, no, honestly, though, thank you so much for taking your time out to talk. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Seriously. Hello, friends. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I really, really hope you guys enjoyed it. It was a very special conversation, not only because it was Stanford, but because it was also Lindsay, and she's an amazing gal. I hope you guys learned a little bit about her and um, the life at Stanford. And honestly, I don't even know why I kind of record these. They are pretty much for myself i think because no one really listened to it but prove me wrong and if anyone is listening at this point the first person to message me about it i'll venmo you guys a dollar so <laughs> good luck <laughs> jay boo signing out peace